We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. Support for Ramstalk Radio comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Manscaped is a revolutionary company that has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary, advanced, skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag where you don't want it to nick or snag. It's also waterproof, so you can take it in the shower. The lawnmower 2.0 comes inside their Perfect Package 2.0, which makes it the perfect gift for this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the trimmer on your face if you're using it down below. Come on, guys. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why would you not put it on the smelliest part of your body? I mean, come on, guys. We all know. And... These products, man, they smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood if, if you know what we mean. The Perfect Package also comes with a pair of Manscaped boxer, boxer briefs that will keep your junk fre- feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pairs of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxer brief. Tis a, ski- tis a season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, your boyfriend, whoever you want, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. And best of all, with our promo code BIGHEADS, you're going to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. 
Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? Alright, welcome back to another edition of the Budding Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. I am a writer for USA Today's Rams Wire. As always with me, Rams Talk Managing Editor Johnny Gomez. Johnny, two wins in a row? Feels like we are uh, the best team in the league, but I don't know if I am exaggerating here. You might be uh, overstepping a slight bit there, but, you know, it's undeniable how well the Rams have played. This is a team that nobody wants to play right now, so I don't know. Maybe the Ravens sparked something in them that just absolutely pissed them off, and the way certain players like Aaron Donald have been playing, uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet to say. And hey, man. It would have been nice to have that humbling loss coming off of a four-game win streak where we didn't lose to the Steelers in a pretty embarrassing game. Uh, But here we are, two games in a row, just beat down the Seattle Seahawks, a victory that always feels a little sweeter. Uh, And things, things are shaping up to get interesting in the NFC, but we'll talk about the game. Talk about all the NFC. We'll talk about the Cowboys. Before we do, guys, if you haven't given us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, please, please go ahead and give us one. You can send an email to ramstalk1945 at gmail.com with a screenshot of the review and tell us who's entering uh, five stars. Let us know what you like about the show, and you'll be entered to win a personalized throwback Rams jersey as soon as we hit 200 reviews. Uh, thank you to everyone who's entered, who shouted us out. It's all appreciated. And uh, you could you could send that screenshot to literally any of us anywhere on social media, and we will enter you in the giveaway. And, of course, don't forget to check out the other shows on the feed, Rams Talk Radio with Derek and Rams Uncensored uh, coming back later in the week. But let's talk about this victory over the Seattle Seahawks. It was a pretty – it was a game that felt like it was in hand for – I'd say the – the only time I, I felt like we had a chance of losing this game was after the two interceptions. Uh, the pick six happens. It's like, okay, you bounce back. You can overcome it. And then Goff throws another. I know it was in Seattle, deep in Seattle territory. It was basically a punt. Uh, but I did not feel good after that. And then we got a field goal blocked. But... Look, man, this was a dominant defensive performance. Uh, in the first half, it was a dominant offensive performance. And outside of like a, a five minutes of playing time, five, six minutes, felt like a game that was well in hand. 55 out of 60 is pretty, pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I, you uh, You have to really consider everything that the defense did in this game because – if you take the defense out of the equation, I'm not sure that, you know, the Rams can overcome all the all the turnovers that happen there. You know, the pick six, yeah, the you could you could bounce back from that. The second pick, that's tough, you know. That's you know, that that's something that most teams can't bounce back from. 
And then you have a blocked field goal, which, you know, that's kind of a demoralizer right there. So the fact that the defense played on such a high level, kudos to the defense because they couldn't, the Seahawks offense could not get anything going. You know, the running game, they had some mild success here and there, but overall was contained. And Russell Wilson, he didn't look like the MVP we're all used to. And that's that's special right there. Anytime you can limit a guy like Russell Wilson, you know you're doing something right. Yeah, and I think when we played them previously, he had a really good game. Uh, this this game, I wouldn't necessarily say it was was a terrible performance by him. Uh, I don't remember like him missing a ton of throws. It really just felt like great, great defense, and he was suffocated. The coverage was great by. A, yeah, we got we got to commend him, Johnny. Your boy Troy Hill is really turning it up since he's taken over that job, and he's on a cross control deal. Uh, hopefully, Jalen Ramsey will take him out to dinner every road trip if they continue to be the starters next year. He's gonna be making way more money, but uh, he played great. And I think the big difference was the pass rush in this game. When we played them last time, the pass rush was. I think it was pretty good, but it was a game where it felt like he should have gotten sacked 10 times and he only got actually got sacked one time in that game. And when he was getting out of the pocket, that's when he was murdering us. He had that absurd throw to Tyler Lockett in the end zone uh, in that week five game. But this week, uh, we took him down, I believe, six times and he was feeling the pressure. Uh, it wasn't like, like the last time where he was kind of easing his way around, getting out of the pocket whenever he wanted. He felt that pressure. He got sacked five times. Sorry, I'm correct, correcting myself there. And you could tell all game that he he was feeling the heat. And we we got out to a big lead. We forced him to pass the ball, and it did not benefit them. And as a result, we came out with a nice win. Yeah, I, to go back to the uh, Week 5 matchup, you know, uh, Russell Wilson, he, he didn't have – his best game, but he had a pretty darn good game. He had basically a game where, you know, he didn't do his perfect Russell Wilson self the entire game, but man, when he got out, uh, when he got out in the open field and, you know, found targets, he shined. And in this game, there, there was no rest for, for Russell Wilson. He, he was not comfortable in the pocket at all, and uh, even when he was out, you know, trying to make plays on the run, he really couldn't. That's a tribute to the secondary. You know, the secondary had it locked down pretty well, and uh, even had some uh, fun extra activities with uh, Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Lockett there. That was hilarious. Uh, but <laughs> Ramsey, I noticed he was talking a lot of shit. Uh, to DK Metcalf, it, it felt like it was boiling up before uh, he actually drew the penalty on him when they were pushing each other. But like there, there was a play where Metcalf beat him on like a, it wasn't like a huge pass, but it got the first down. And Ramsey, like he he catches the ball on the ground, and Ramsey's staring, sitting over him, hovering, like yeah, you're not getting up, boy. Like stay on the ground. And I was just like, dude, you just got beat. Like now you're talking shit that. Uh, he's not going to be able to get a couple more yards in this play. And then 
lo and behold, later on, he draws a, a personal foul on him. So I, I guess Ramsey knew what he was doing there. I loved it. Oh, he's he's a. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. He's a master manipulator. He does it well, and that's that's you know basically Ramsey. He gets in people's heads and uh, doesn't always work out in his favor. But in this game, it, it really did. It really got got in their head, and you know, um, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not the kind of person that appreciates a guy that will trash talk. But when he's on your team, it's just so much entertaining to to watch, you know. Um, but you know, it, you you got to give the secondary credit because there's a reason why Russell Wilson didn't look Russell Wilson like. Because while as talented as he is, he needs his receivers to get open. Otherwise, he can't make those magical plays. And uh, despite you know all the pressure and everything. There was a couple of moments where Russell Wilson was able to escape from, you know, guys like Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler, etc. Uh, and he still really couldn't do a whole lot. So kudos to to the entire defense because really I, I don't really see a weak point in this defense at all in this game. Uh, maybe I'm missing something, but the defense truly won the game here. Nah, I I don't see a weak point, man. It was, uh, and look, I don't want to sit here and say like this is not one of those games where the defense carries us to victory because the offense was in- incredible in in the first half. Uh, they they deserve just as much credit as the defense does, even though they kind of slipped in the second half a bit and got for two minutes almost threw the game away, but. Uh, it was just a really, really impressive performance on both sides of the ball, and but it did. It, it started and ended with the defense, and like we scored twenty eight points, we won by sixteen. We scored twenty nine points the last time we played them, and we lost by one. And that wasn't even a terrible defensive performance. That was just Seattle being fucking good, being the good team they are. But this game, uh, it it was a really, really nice win, and it, it started with the defense. Let, let's get to uh, the other side of the ball. But before we do that, let's take a quick break. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. All right, Johnny, offensively, uh, I guess we could start with really just the, the personnel decisions, I think, were the big story of this game. If I'm going to pull, pull up the official snap counts, but I'll, I'll let you talk for a minute. When you... Like, we ran so much of the formation with, it was two tight ends, two wide receivers, and a running back. But it was Josh Reynolds and Robert Woods, and it was Tyler Higbee and Johnny Munt with uh, Gerald Everett, obviously, out of the game. And it was usually Todd Gurley, occasionally Malcolm Brown. But this formation really hammered 
Seattle in this game and really dominated. And I guess my, my first question is, like, do you think this is going to be the Rams' primary, like, offensive set moving forward? Or do you think it's just a one-time thing for this game where uh, – and maybe we'll see it in other games where the game, the game script and who we're playing is just going to dictate playing that formation a lot? Uh, well, I, I do think that this is going to be sort of a game plan that uh, Sean McVay is going to do for the rest of the season and probably for seasons to come since, you know, we extended him. But, you know, I, I, I like what he did. He essentially is trying to find a formula against, uh, you know, teams that, you know, would uh, struggle against this type of offense. And he found it with, with the Seattle Seahawks. And that's that's good to know because these are our rivals that we face two times a year. So in that regard, that's great. Um, I I think he he's doing this purposely. In, in a, um, I, I don't think this is going to be something we see every week. Just depends on who we're facing and, uh, you know, we'll get to our matchup against the Cowboys, but uh, I don't expect this same t- style of offense going up against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So, to answer your question, Steve, I think this is this is something that we'll we'll expect to see in upcoming games. But whether or not it'll be every single game, I highly doubt it. I think McVeigh just discovered, you know, the key the answer to his problems here is you know, running the type of offense, running the style of offense, that's just going to win the game. And who says you have to run the same offense week in and week out? You know, the the Rams have a extremely talented offensive scheme. So um, to divvy it up a little bit, I think, why not? The per- You got the personnel, you got the talented players, go for it. And uh, just shows that Sean McVay is a hell of a coach. And if he somehow gets the Rams through the playoffs, uh, I mean, this guy deserves coach of the year for this alone. Yeah, he he definitely will not get coach of the year. But uh, for the way he's turned it around, he I think I, I wouldn't say he doesn't warrant consideration. Um, but I think we'll see this this formation in every game. I just not to this extent. And I'll read you the snap counts here. Uh, it's going to sound like I made this up if you didn't actually watch this game. Uh, Robert Woods, 99% of the offensive snaps. Tyler Higby, 97%. Todd Gurley, 80%. Johnny Munt, 71%. Josh Reynolds, 66%. Brandon Cooks, 39%. Cooper Cup, 29%. Malcolm Brown, 20%. So heavy on the Gurley. was great to see that. Uh, 80-20, I hope... I kind of hope that's the balance we see for the remainder of the season. But, like, Johnny Munt playing 30 more snaps than Cooper Cup after the year Cup has, and it working, like, it clearly being the right decision, is crazy. Uh, and more surprising than that, I think, was just the decision to have uh, Josh Reynolds in on this formation. I mean, I guess they trusted his his pass blocking, or, sorry, his run blocking. Uh, he carried the ball three times, uh, which for our slowest receiver was kind of surprising, but he he averaged 9, 9.7 yards per carry, and his longest was 12 yards, so every rush he had was a good run, which is just 
it, it is wild that like you think of the uses for Josh Reynolds, how the best ways to get him involved. I never thought I jet sweep would be the way to go, but look, this is why I'm talking about the Rams and Sean McVay's coaching them. Uh, you just gotta gotta credit how he built this game plan, and it was bizarre. It was weird. Uh, Johnny Munt is basically lifeless in pass catching. And it didn't matter. Tyler Hig- Tyler Higby ro- rolled in seven receptions for 116 yards, uh, a career high for him. Topped his previous career high, which was last week. Uh, th- this was just this was a ridiculously impressive offensive game plan. And I think the mo- the best part about it is this isn't something we've really seen from this Rams offense to this crazy of an extent. And I think all we've really been asking for is McVay to adapt ever since the Super Bowl where he kind of got figured out and teams have been adapting that defensive game plan. It was great to see him roll out just something so bizarre like this and actually having it work. And thank God because if this didn't work and we were sitting here after a loss talking about how Johnny Munt played on 70% of the snaps, it would be a much different tone in my voice. But that's the nature of sports. When you score points, you're going to get applauded. Yeah, no doubt about it. The uh, <laughs> I, I it's actually mind blowing hearing Johnny Munt, uh, right. you know, a guy that he <laughs> this is a guy that we weren't even considering or you know considered and may not even make the roster, and uh, yeah, now he's uh, playing seventy percent of the snaps. That's incredible. You insane. know, uh, it's honestly fucking insane, uh, and it worked. It worked, and uh, I'm curious to see when Gerald Everett comes back if they sub him in on that formation because uh, Munt was in their primary to block, and I don't think Everett's a terrible blocker, but he's not He's not close to – or he's not – you're not putting him in there to block and not run routes like Munt was doing. Well, I think uh, as far as Gerald Everett is concerned, I, I think that there will be a little more trickery involved because – if you recall last season, towards the end of the season, you you saw be, because of Everett's athleticism, you saw him doing uh, you know sweeps himself, which is uh, which is kind of amazing from a tight end. But yeah. um, you know that that's incredible in and of itself. So the I think the the point of Gerald Everett is he's more of a offensive producer rather than a blocker, which that's kind of what you want. You know, you, you have your blocker in, in uh, Johnny Munt. Tyler Higby is kind of versatile. He can do both. Um, and then, you know, you have your offensive threat and in, in, uh, in Gerald Everett. So uh, hopefully he can come back hel- healthy enough to where he can just be an added weapon for Jared Goff or, you know, the entire offense. Uh, even if it's just a misdirection kind of thing. Which, you know, as you pointed out, that's kind of what what Sean McVay did this uh, this past week is just use misdirection so much to the point where you have Josh fucking Reynolds running sweeps. Right. I, I still can't believe it. Yeah, uh, it's but, not something we see from Josh Reynolds. It's, it's not like it's just not the strengths of his game we ever imagined. And it worked. Like I said, it literally none of his runs didn't work. They all worked. It was only three, but every one of them worked. Yeah, exactly. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't care how it gets done. I don't care how unorthodox it is. Uh, 
if if you can get this team to beat one of the best teams in the NFL right now, because before uh, before this loss to the Rams, the Seahawks were one of the hottest teams in the NFL. That's why this game felt so crucial. Felt like the the Rams had absolutely. I mean, other than of course the record, but you know you're you're not only facing an NFC West opponent, you're you're facing one of the top teams in the NFL, and to win them so decisively, that's impressive. You know, moving forward, the the Rams, they're they're gonna. Uh, if they continue to play like this, they're going to have nothing but success moving forward and hopefully have a shot at the playoffs, depending on, you know, certain scenarios. It, I mean, if if they play like this, they're going to steamroll uh, Dallas. And obviously the San Francisco game is going to be the, the big game. But, hey, Dallas is a talented team, and you can't you can't look past them uh, even with, with how they're slipping. Um, we ran the ball a lot, especially out of this formation. Todd Gurley touched the ball. I, I where's my back? Twenty three carries and four catches. So twenty seven total touches for Gurley. Uh, three out of the last four weeks, I believe, he has touched the ball uh, over twenty times in total. Yep, uh, twenty or more times in the last three, the last four games. Obviously, uh, Baltimore. You, you, we shouldn't even count that. And any any stats were thrown out because that. Whether that game was a wake-up call, whatever, uh, we got slaughtered by a very, very good Baltimore Ravens team. Um, but they said that they're, the rumor is, for me and Rappaport, that they are done conserving Todd Gurley, which I feel like has been true for quite a while. But I think it's full throttle with him down the stretch. And yeah, moving forward, you got to think he, he gets a lot, a lot of rushes. No, uh, Dallas is... Run defense, it's not not an elite one by any means. It's pretty middle of the pack. Uh, they've given up 100 yards on the ground in t- 10 of their last 11 games. Nine out of the last 10 games, sorry. Uh, they gave up 151 yards on the ground to the Bears last week, uh, 124 to the Bills the week before, 101 to the Patriots. Uh, these are not dominant rushing teams. 121 to the Lions. Uh, Todd Gurley is way better than all their running backs, and I think you keep attacking. I think this is the move, especially at least next week against uh, Dallas. I don't know if you nest like I don't think you go full in that two tight end set to this crazy of an extent, but I think we see a lot of Gurley, and clearly uh, in games where he touches the ball more, we are winning those games. Yeah, as far as as far as the. Uh... Um, the Cowboys are concerned. I'm not really worried, especially they, they have. So the Cowboys are kind of hard to really describe because you have some of the best players in the league on this team, but yet as a, as a team unit, they're, I won't say they're awful, but they're pretty damn close. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'm just being real here. They're in the worst division in football. And, I mean, this is the division that doesn't even want to win their division. This football team is just so 
weird to describe overall because you're in a when you're in this kind of division it's obvious that that uh, they're not an elite team so by that standard going up against a team like the Rams who I don't know if you can really call them an elite team based off their record uh you know it's not a terrible record by any means it's better than the Cowboys for sure but you can't really call them an elite team being third place in their division uh it's a hell of a good division but it is what it is so you pointed out the the running backs that the Cowboys faced and going up against a guy like Todd Gurley who it, it actually kind of bothers me hearing some of the commentators saying you know oh, Todd Gurley isn't the same guy he isn't the same guy he, he's uh his good best days are behind him or whatever and I'm like I don't think these guys actually really watch Todd Gurley now, don't get me wrong. He is his production down. Nobody can deny that. I mean, but at the same time, has he gotten the same amount of snaps? If you really look at his snap count, you'll see why his production is down. Now, maybe it's not as explosive as it used to be, but this is a guy that, you know, if if you give him enough room, if you give him a chance to to run and actually create holes for him, which we've seen in the most recent weeks, this is still a damn good football player. This is still one of the best running backs in the NFL. And uh, you know, uh, if if you if you're gonna go up against Todd Gurley with the Cowboys defense, might be a long game for the Cowboys, at least from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I, I like. I think uh, Gurley is somewhere in between where he was and where people are acting like he was. Uh, but you definitely still see the fly. Like when he runs hard, like he he looks as good as he as he's as he's been in the past. And it's just, he's just not getting as many holes as he had in the past. Uh, the big thing to me is they're just not using him in the the passing game for for whatever reason. But look, he. In a perfect world, if if he continues to get the usage as he's gotten, he's going to cross a thousand yards. Uh, he he's a little under eight hundred. So if if he gets ninety yards a game like he's been getting, he should get there, and we'll see. But I think he he should be able to hammer this uh, this Dallas defense. It, it, it is worth noting though that um, they've given up a lot of rushing yards over the past couple weeks, but. A lot of them have come to quarterbacks, which is uh, a bit odd considering like it's Mitch Trubisky and it's Jeff Driscoll are the guy the guys running all over them. Uh, Josh Allen, obviously a different story. Uh, the Vi- the Vikings ran ran rough shot on them with the with their duo of Cook and Madison. So I'm not really concerned about Gurley's performance in this game, and I th- I think he's going to get fed a lot. Uh, and I think we talked a lot about him. Um, can you imagine if Jared Goff goes off on on the oh, Cowboys? I would love it. <laughs> I would love it. Let him run. <laughs> uh, I I would honestly I, I would probably be screaming at the TV, saying you know just screaming Goff's name, just being like, man, I can't believe this guy, you know, is running all over a defense. Jared. I mean, 
I mean, hey, he juked somebody earlier this year, so. Yeah, and uh, but I mean, I, at the same time, like even if it's not the quarterbacks running, uh, Robert Woods and Josh Reynolds combined for 58 yards on the ground last week. So uh, even if it's not fully Todd Gurley running the ball, uh, we'll see. We'll see a lot of it, and I, I think I do expect them uh, to run the ball a fair amount. Uh, any final notes on this game before we move on? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, didn't give enough of a shout out to Tyler Higby, I think. Back to back career highs in yards, uh, 100 yards in his last two games. I still think his contract is bad, but I feel better about it now. Uh, if he's gonna if he's gonna play like this for the duration of his contract, I I'll be a little more okay with it. It's a slight overpay in that regard instead of a massive overpay, which I thought it was. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what he does when Everett comes back. This is the most usage he's ever gotten in the past game by far. But uh, and so, against... you, so you gotta you gotta give uh, kudos to uh, Tyler Higby, and I have to give a kudos to Troy Hill. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Troy Hill, man, and he he's not on a bad contract. I'm pretty sure we we locked him up for like uh, I I will check this in a minute, but I'm pretty sure we locked him up for like three years on a really cheap deal. Uh, and look, if he could play at worst as 75% of what he's playing at right now, uh, for the, for the money we're paying him, I I will gladly take it. Uh, okay. He's got another year on his contract, but 3.4475 cap hit, uh, for the way he's playing right now. I'm very okay with that. Very okay with rolling him out as a starter. If he plays like this on that deal with Jalen Ramsey next to him. Alrighty. Let's get on to the NFC. Before we do, let's get a shout out to my bookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you can choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Best of all, if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you were to deposit $2,000, you can get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. If you're looking a little low stakes, put $100, they will give you $50. You'll be good to go with some free money. Just use the promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to activate this offer. Once again, that's promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. <laughs> Unrelated, but I always laugh like if I, like I just look at the basketball scores and the Hawks lost by 14 in overtime. Like, it's always crazy when you go to overtime and get slaughtered like that. Uh, anyways. That's impossible. Yeah. I looked at it. I was like, what, did they get shut out? 18-4, uh, to 4, the Heat beat them in overtime. So uh, congrats to any Heat fans listening to the podcast. Uh, okay, so do you want to get a quick look at the NFC playoff picture as it stands before we get to the Cowboys, which we already talked about a little bit, so we don't have to do a ton of the Cowboys. The remaining schedule for us 
at Dallas, at San Francisco, Arizona. We're obviously a game out right now, the Vikings. Seems like we will get the tiebreaker over the Vikings. Uh, it's not like sit, concrete set in stone because uh, I think it's common opponent win percentage, but it's trending that way. Vikings at the Chargers. Not a not a walk in the park, depending on what Chargers team shows up. Home against the Packers, home against the Bears. Uh, the Packers, I will mention them because uh, if they lose to the Bears this week, uh, which I'm not banking on it at home, but if they lose that game, the Rams will control their own destiny. That means if the Packers lose to the Bears, no matter who wins that Vikings-Packers game, we will make the playoffs over them, assuming the tiebreakers continue to where they're at. Uh, and then they finish with the Lions on the road in a game where I have, I will never bet any amount of money on the Lions because they fucking suck right now. Uh, <laughs> the Seahawks, unlikely, we're, we're two games back. I mean, man, if we, if Greg Zerline made that field goal in week five, we would be ahead of them right now. Same record. Sweep on the season, own that tiebreaker. They have at Carolina, home against the Cardinals, home against the Niners. If they lose to the Panthers or the Cardinals, I mean things things will get a little interesting. But I, I we would own the tiebreaker with them if they lost one of those games. And then, uh, yeah, if if they lose two out of three, we hold the tiebreaker against Seattle. But <laughs> like the Lions, I am not betting on the Panthers. I have not bet on the Cardinals. And then the 49ers, man, if they pulled out that win against the Saints, it's just huge, huge for them. Uh, and all these playoff implications because if they if if they had lost that game, uh, we're talking about potentially the Rams competing with them for, for a playoff spot. And we'd also have the tiebreaker. But they finish out. In the, they're eleven and two right now. They finish out with Atlanta at home, which they're probably going to win, and then that they mean nothing to us uh, in terms of the playoff picture. We can't catch them. Then we play them and at, at San Francisco, and then they're on the road against Seattle, which will uh, be much more important for them to settle out their differences with Seattle than it will be for us. So I lay that all out there, Johnny, and like the the Rams really need. I I guess the best path to the playoffs is assuming the Bears lose to the lose to the Packers this week. Rams need the Packers to win on the road against Minnesota to really be in the money for a playoff spot. Well, um, I would. I think it would be really awesome if our fellow LA team, yep. the Chargers, would win also. I I think that would be amazing. It's possible, man. Yeah. They just slaughtered Jack Jacksonville sucks, but like <laughs> it, it was a big win in like Dallas, man. I mean that's a team with a lot of talent where on their best day they are tough to beat. And on the road it's basically a It'll probably basically be a home game for the Vikings, but it's still different than playing at your real home stadium. Uh, the the Chargers still know that field better than them, however much you think that means. Uh, but then also the Bears. They won four of their last five. 
there, Mitchell Trubisky's playing some, <laughs> dare I say, great football. Uh, I mean, it's been wow. the Giants, the Lions, and the Cowboys, but still, man, those wins do mean something. And their defense, it's not what they were last year, but we saw firsthand still pretty decent defense. Whew, that's uh, a lot to ask for, but, you know, it, it is, you know, anything can happen. I feel like the Chargers. <sighs> Uh, on their best day are a team to watch out for. You know, they have talented players on it, but good Lord to, to rely on them. Just so inconsistent. Yeah. I, I, I'm banking, honestly, uh, I, I think the, the, the better chance here is if the bears beat the Packers, I think that's the only real chance here because I, I mean, I guess stranger things have happened, but I find it really hard to believe that the, that the Vikings will lose to the Chargers. But there's also, uh, I believe it's the following week. Correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, that the Vikings play the Packers. Yep. Week 16. Well, there you go. Uh, in that game, I would think that uh, the Rams would have to hope for a Vikings loss there. Yeah. Best case for us, obviously, would be if both Green Bay and Minnesota were to lose this week. Uh, because then you could kind of... You still want to win out, but like if, if that were to happen, if the Packers beat the Vikings would make things a lot easier for us if they were to somehow drop two in a row Minnesota which I I, I don't really see happening but then you could afford to lose to the 49ers which we'll talk about that game next week but uh, if the Vikings were to drop two in a row we would be in great shape because all we'd have to do is win two out of three in these last three games and the way we're playing uh, I I would be pretty surprised if we finished anything worse than ten and six. What if they tie? That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I to be honest, because we own the tiebreakers with pretty much everyone, it, a tie is not. It it really wouldn't matter. Uh, it really. Truthfully, I don't think it really would make a difference uh, because about how our tiebreakers shake out. If the Packers and the Vikings tied, that would be unfortunate because they'd be ahead of us. Okay, so don't hope for that to happen. Uh, We don't don't want any any ties, to be honest. Uh, The only way it... <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know. Yeah, we don't. We don't want. We don't want any ties. It w- it wouldn't help us. Well, good to know. Don't hope for any ties, guys. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it just it really wouldn't make a difference uh, in in how everything plays out. Better, better than like losing. But I think because of how set we are on tiebreakers, we own them with everybody. Um, 
So, like, we, we'd be in good shape there. Uh, so, yeah. I guess let's talk a little more about the Cowboys, man. Uh, so they've lost four of their last five games. They've lost to the Vikings, the Patriots, the Bills, and the Bears. Their only win in that stretch is the Lions. And, like, they're not losing. So it's weird. Like, they're not losing close games, but they are not close games. Like, they got blown out by the Packers and came back in garbage time. They got blown out by the fucking Jets and they came back in garbage time. They got blown out by the Bears last week and they came back in garbage time. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying they got blown out by Buffalo, but they they also kind of did. Uh, the the game was pretty well in hand for the Bills for that whole game. Uh, they're up twenty three to seven going in the fourth quarter. So, <laughs> like, and and here's the thing about Dallas too. Uh, for those like on paper, yes, they are a team that they have good players at a lot of important positions. But, like, I'm going to read you the Rams' wins. Uh, just So, Carolina, New Orleans, Cleveland, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Chicago, Arizona, and Seattle. Not a murderer's row. Uh, that Saints game, they lost Drew Brees in the game. But, hey, they went undefeated with Teddy Bridgewater, and they're one of the best teams in the league. So, still not, not the worst victory. Uh, Seattle, obviously, is a very good team. Chicago's a decent team. Uh those would probably be our best wins. These are Dallas's wins. And our wins, look, I don't even think that sounds very impressive, but we have eight of them. These are Dallas's six wins. The Giants, the Redskins, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Lions. Five out of those six teams are terrible. And the Eagles ain't that good either, man. Uh, they just struggled with the Giants and won in overtime. Uh, I mean, you can't look past this team on the road in Dallas. It's... They've talent everywhere. One of the best running backs in the league, uh, a quarterback who is probably in the top half of quarterbacks, uh, a very good wide receiver, Amari Cooper, a great compliment, and Michael Gallup, uh, a decent offensive line, a, a pretty solid defense. Uh, one, I believe they're top ten in total yards. Uh, if not, they're they're hovering around there. Um, yards per game, they are the ninth best defense in the league. Uh, right behind us, but like, God, dude, they don't have, if this was a, if we were talking college football rankings, they don't really have a quality win. It, it's just the Eagles are the only like team that's not hap- hopeless that they've beaten. And they're only not hopeless because they're in the Cowboys division. You know, you know, when you were listing the teams there of who the Cowboys beat, and then you said, only one of those teams weren't bad. I was I was trying to think to myself, okay, what what team wasn't that bad? And then I realized you were referring to the Eagles. I'm like, Steve, you're being very generous there. <laughs> they I mean, you're right, they're not that bad in terms of being one of the worst teams in the NFL. But good lord, I mean, to be They're your not best, that good yeah. To be your best victory, it's not not ideal. But in Dallas's defense too, they fucking rocked them. Uh, they they took it to them in that game. <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, considering you know, considering the star power that's on that team, 
you would think that the Cowboys would have a much better record than they have. And I'm just not sure what's up there. I don't know if it's the coaching issue. It is the coaching. Yeah. Not the whole story, but a, a pretty significant part of the story. That's basically because I I have a a few cowboy friends and, you know, there's only a few of them that actually know what the hell they're talking about because (laughs) it's. That sounds like cowboy fans. Yeah, I mean, Cowboy Nation, I don't know if there's anybody out there that actually is a cowboy fan that listens to a Rams talk podcast. But if there is, uh, do you guys watch football? Like, I, I just. I, I get so confused when I talk to Cowboy fans because I feel like I know their team better than they do, <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's awful, you know, and they have like this weird fantasy in their head that their team is much better than it actually is. And don't get me wrong, we all want our teams to be, you know, the best in football, but to talk to some of them, you'd think that the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders at this point. But <laughs> so I talked to a few buddies of mine that actually know about football and just, you know, aren't complete homers. And most of them basically say the same thing that it's the coaching that's the issue. And at first, I was just like, it can't just be about the coaching. You know, this, there's, there's something wrong here. And after watching a few Cowboy games this year, I'm inclined to believe them now. You know, some of the decisions that they make is just more than questionable. Now, I I still don't believe it's 100% of the problem, but it's a good part of it. And to tell you the truth, um, that's kind of why I'm not really that concerned about this game. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Rams are going to blow them out of the water because, you know, this is still a talented team. This is still a, a team full of players that can break out and, you know, cause hell for, for their opponents if, you know, they, you know, take them lightly. But I'm I'm inclined to think that the Rams' defense is just too talented to let the offense you know, get too carried away there. And I think the Rams offense is too talented to really let anyone on the um, Cowboys defense to really, you know, take advantage of them there either. It all boils down to how the Rams come to play. If we get Jared Goof instead of Jared Goff, uh, it (laughs) might be a long game. If we get the the Rams defense that played against the Ravens offense, it could be a very long game. But I, you know, both scenarios here, I I just don't see it happening. And I'm just going to go ahead and say my prediction, Steve. Go for it. I I got the Rams winning this game uh, 35 to 17. Wow. (laughs) Thought you were, thought you said it wasn't going to be that big of a blowout. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just (laughs) going to say it's going to be a blowout. Uh, I go 23 to 13 Rams. Uh, it feels like that kind of game to me. The, the Cowboys have given up a 300 yard passing game twice this season. Now, Johnny, I will give, 
I don't know what I'll give you, but I will give you something if you can name the two quarterbacks that have thrown for 300 yards against the Cowboys. This year? Yeah. I'm just going to throw in some wild cards here so I can get something from Steve. Uh, Daniel Jones. And... Carson Wentz. You were very close on one of them. It was Eli Manning in week one. God damn it. <laughs> if you guess the other one, I might have given it to you. It was uh, Sam Darnold. Oh, dude. I should have actually should have guessed that. I really should have guessed the, that. The two New Yorkers. Uh, Carson Wentz was pretty close. He Actually, no, he wasn't. He threw for 191 yards. <laughs> Wait, what the hell was I looking at? Oh, I was looking at total yards. Uh, it's a two eighty three. Uh, no, he 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 was not close. Uh, I mean, Sam Darnold fucking torched him. Uh, but we'll see. They they've shored up a little since then. Granted, the the best quarterback they played against during that stretch is Tom Brady, and like current Tom Brady is the best quarterback they played against in that stretch. So. We'll see, but it, it seems like a ground and pound kind of game, and I just I hope they come into this game the same way that they came into that Cardinals game and just on a mission, not looking past this team at all. Uh, it's on the road, tougher environment than Arizona, dare I say. Uh, but if we come to play like we have the last two weeks, we should have absolutely no problems with this game, and it's not a game that I'm worried about. John McVay getting outcoached either. Uh, you look at the games he's lost this year, all against good coaches. Um, if you think Bruce Arians is a good coach, but that Tampa game was the weirdest game ever. Uh, I mean, even Pittsburgh, man, it's Mike Tomlin. He's he, If they make the playoffs, he's probably going to win coach of the year. So uh, he, I, it's just like all the ingredients are there for us to win. This does not feel like a game that we're going to lose, uh, and we shouldn't lose. And you never know. We shouldn't have lost to the Steelers either, but uh, that defense, I think, in Pittsburgh is a lot better than the Cowboys' defense, even though their defense is all right. Oof. I don't know, man. I don't know. That Pittsburgh loss, dude, is so fucking painful. And, like, you you can lose. You can blame the Seattle loss if if we end up 11-5 and five and on the outside looking in. Um, or even 10-6 and six and let's say Minnesota drops the game, but we drop a game. Man, you cannot lose to the fucking Steelers in that game, man. I mean, holy shit. They did nothing on offense. Nothing. Uh, and we didn't win. It, it was a game that was just sitting there for us. Just sitting there for us to take. And we didn't take it. Um, I mean, just like, God, dude, that lost, that lost kills. The, there's no way on any planet we should have lost that game. Uh, yeah, still have nightmares on that one. Ugh. Ugh, yeah, that's a brutal one, man. I mean, Seattle, like, look, it sucks. It was a shitty loss. It was a really shitty way to lose. But it was a great game against a, a great team. You know, you, you, it's it's a Pittsburgh loss that at the end of the season. That's the game we're going to be looking at and being like, that, that – sh- it's not a game you can lose. It really wasn't a game you could lose. And we said it at the time, and we might, 
luck out here, win five straight games down the season, and wind up in the playoffs if some things go our way. But had we won that game, we'd, we'd be in control of our fate. And that would be nice to have right now. But we don't have it. So can wrap it up there. Johnny, any f- final thoughts heading into this game against Dallas? This uh, this final message goes out to Jalen Ramsey. See, Mr. Ramsey, if you're listening right now, which I'm sure you're not, but if <laughs> on the off chance that you are, please contain Amari Cooper. I'm going up against him in fantasy football, and uh, I'm in the championship. So if he can get, like, zero points, that would be amazing. Your championship's least- in week 15? Uh, yeah, because uh, the championship, uh, um, yeah, yeah, it's the quarterfinals, I believe. Oh, you're in the you're in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you were playing Thanks. your championship this week. I was very confused. Oh, did I say championship? Yeah, I've never heard of a week. I'm 15 building up the drama. That's all. I'm building up the drama. I'm in uh, the championship, man. I'm in the championship. I I I'm in a lot of leagues, so like. I still got plenty of teams up, but I lost two games on Sunday or on Monday during overtime. It was <laughs> one game. One game I lost pretty early in the in the drive. The second game I was up two points before the final play, and I lost by ten because he had Ertz and Wentz. It was well, they- one of the one of the worst playoff beats I've ever had. I got I got a lot of teams alive. I'm having a good year overall, but that that one fucking stung, man. That was a a brutal one. So I'm just hoping that they can contain Amari Cooper, and uh, you know it'd be great if he had no points at all. I think that'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm not really worried about him, man. Honestly, I think uh, I th- I think I think they'll do fine. He he got almost all his money in garbage time last week. And we'll see. He's Ramsey is, hasn't been as good as advertised, but he's still been pretty damn good. And the Seattle's got a talented receiving core, and they, truthfully, that they didn't, they didn't do fuck. Honestly, they didn't do jack shit against us. I, I dare to say, DK Metcalf was the only one that put up a semblance of a good game. Uh, my guy Josh Gordon came out there and had a couple uh, catches later on, but those are three pretty good receivers, including Tyler Lockett and. We did it. We did our best. We really. I mean, when's the last time a we lost because a receiver just shredded us? Um, I mean, I mean, it's been was, a while. Yeah, was, honestly, it was Tampa Bay. It was Chris Godwin. That was a long oh time ago. <laughs> that just it still it still pisses me off that Chris Godwin, you know, just got the best of us that game. Dude, he, my God, what a what a weird game. I mean, if look, if we don't have a if we don't have a playoffs berth this year, we'll do a what if podcast. We'll look at all these weird games that we lost, but that that might be the weirdest Rams game I will ever watch in my entire life. That game was so fucking weird. Uh, just everything about it was just so bizarre. Uh, like. I don't even know. The Tampa Bay is the weirdest team in the NFL by far. It, I don't even think it's a discussion uh, in terms of just 
being so fucking all over the place all the time. Uh, it makes for entertaining football. I'll give them that. So what you're saying is we saw the anti-Rams playing against the Buccaneers that game. Yeah. I, I don't even know. I don't even know, dude, because we scored 40 points and we almost won the game. It, that game made no sense. Uh, J- Jameis Winston, I heard this on a podcast. I haven't backed it up, so we'll end with this. Uh, I have not corroborated this. But he already has 4,000 yards. I'm pretty sure he's on pace for the fifth most passing yards in a single season. Jameis! And he <laughs> might lead the league in touchdowns and interceptions. The guy is fucking crazy, man. Uh, and to tell you the truth, I think he's going to be their quarterback next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is a weird team. I yeah, I I don't really want to talk about the Bucks, but I think they're going to franchise him. I, I think I think that's the move for them, and I I, I don't even know if it's a bad move. Uh, it has been such a weird year. Jameis is third in passing touchdowns and <laughs> first in interceptions by a lot by seven. Damn. Yeah, he ain't losing that one, but he is a positive. Touchdown interception ratio. So it's he. I thought he was going to be the next Eli Manning. If he plays like he's playing this year for the rest of his career, he might be the next Brett Favre. Uh, that high, like I don't think he'll have the wins Brett Favre had, but just slinging the ball at all costs uh, is what this guy does at all times. And I was very Brett Favre. Uh, we remember him better than he was, I think. He's a Hall of Famer. He deserved it. But uh, he very Jameis-like in his turnover rate. That's such a weird comparison, but it it makes sense. Gunslingers, dude. Brett Favre is the gunslinger. He, he threw a lot of interceptions. Uh <laughs> In in years, I just pulled up his stats that he was the full time starting quarterback. He threw for less for single digit interceptions one time, and it was his first year with the Vikings. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, led the league in interceptions three times, had over twenty interceptions in a season. Six times. All right. Uh, if you're still listening to us talk about Brett Favre, God bless you. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams. Follow me at Steve Barrel and follow Johnny at Johnny5Not6. Hopefully, we'll be back after a win next week. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. You feel me? This holiday season, you know what I have on my wish list? Adventure. 
That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.